Well, thank you guys for worshiping with us, and we are launching into a brand new series. And let me, let me get us going by asking a question uh, and seeing if you are trekking. Do you remember a time, trekking with me, do you remember a time uh, in your life, or do you, maybe it was when you were younger, but it was like, okay, this is like it was a definitive time. This is my chance. Like all eyes are on me. This is my time to shine. Like this is my chance to make a difference. Like you just knew, all right, I don't get a lot of these opportunities, but I do got this one. And I want to, do you ever remember that? Because I mean, maybe this coming weekend, uh, if you've ever been a part of Night to Shine at Bethlehem Church, you may have been a part of Night to Shine. It's this coming Friday. It's our prom for adults and students with special needs. There'll be hundreds of people where you're at right now, and they'll be dancing. Sin. Some of you are like, I don't know about that. Well, you should know about it because it's a blast, okay? And so it, it'll be happening. But that is, when you see that happening, the red carpet is, is like the, one of the coolest things you'll ever see when these adults and these students, they walk down. It's their moment to shine. But do you ever remember, like, we don't get a lot of them in life, but everybody gets, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. I vividly remember one of those times happening to me playing a sport, I was always on a team, never the star of a team. I was always a contributor, never the centerpiece. Anybody know what that means? Like, you know, you're the contributor, you're not the a high school football team I played on. I saw a buddy in the back who went to high school with me. I played on, we were pretty good. Uh, we were a pretty good team, played up the road here. Again, I'm just a tr contributor. My senior year, we're undefeated. We're going deep into the playoffs. It's high school football. We're playing in December, which means we're pretty good, right? And this is 25 years ago, but just like any good high school glory boy, I remember. <laughs> I remember the time and the chance that I have. It's the Monday before, I think, the third or fourth round of the playoffs, and we're watching film. And I can remember, I played tight end, which, which is, in recent years, Brock Bowers and other people, the positions, come really, the positions become really cool for whatever reason, right, that everybody wants to be tight end now. Back in the day, right, get that off, come on, you know, it's a cool position to play now. Back in the day, if you played the position, it means you weren't big enough to be a lineman and you weren't fast enough to be a receiver, you're going to play tight end. I wasn't even the best tight end on the team. I was the guy on the other side, okay? And so I remember watching film the Monday deep in the playoffs and, and like the guy that I got to block, I mean, this guy that I got to go up again, he was legit. He was, do, he was bad. He was gnarly. He was big. I was 170 pounds soaking wet. But it was like, everybody saw it. Okay. You know, but it was like one of those moments where I'm like, I'm going to handle this dude. Right? And my coaches all week were like, Jason, you got it, man. Jason, you got it. You got it. You got it. You can do it. Right? Stay low. Drive your feet. When coach starts using these words, you got to have heart. It means you may be in trouble. Okay? And so <laughs> you just, you just got to have heart. That's translation. That dude's better than you are. Right? You got to believe. All my buddies, Jason, you got it. You can do it. So it's Friday night. I'm stoked because it's my time. There's thousands of, like, I'd never had any, like, I hadn't had many moments of sports glory. By many, I mean any. You know what I mean? So it's Friday night, thousands of people in the stands. By thousands, I mean a couple hundred in a small town, okay? And I got, some of you know what I'm talking about. I got Eye of the Tiger playing in my ear, right? It's before the buds. It was the real deal, all right? So I'm just listening, and I'm fired up, and it's the time, and it's the chance. It's my moment. Quarterback comes up call the play, comes up to the line. First play of the game, they're running right off my backside. And that was, I was the blocking guy. They're coming behind me. And I get to the line. The places go, ah, 
This is a mind. I'm going to do it. I'm fired up. I'm stoked. I come to the line of scrimmage. Quarterback calls the cadence, calls out, snaps the ball, and with all that I am and all that I have. Now, that's normally a wedding vow right there. With all that I am and all that I have, I give myself to you. But in that moment... In that moment, I gave myself everything. I threw my body to the flames. You know what I mean? And I just, believing with everything I had, this was my moment. I went after this dude, and it was like an ant hitting an elephant. <laughs> I got in budge. He tackled the quarterback, quarterback fumbles, runs the ball into the other side for a touchdown. We lost the game by three touchdowns, and needless to say, my NIL deal fell through at that moment, okay? <laughs> and here I am with you guys, but here's what I mean. In that moment, it didn't matter what I believed to be true about myself and what I could accomplish, nor did it matter what my coaches had told me and my friends have said, Jason, you can do it. In that moment, it did not translate. It didn't connect. It didn't translate over. See, I think I bet I'm talking to a group of people across all of our campuses. You've heard things from guys like me, and guys like me, and I mean preacher types, maybe somebody on TV, maybe a pastor at a church you used to attend, maybe a podcast you listen to, maybe some self-help guru, maybe some book you've read. But you've heard somebody say at some point, probably multiple times, you have purpose. Your life matters. You have meaning, right? You have a life and you are a person of significance, and maybe you've heard that it's become white noise because it's just kind of like, yeah, 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 I'm living my life trying to do my things. But these are words that oftentimes we want to believe to be true, that you've got purpose, that you've got meaning, that you're more than just sucking oxygen, you're more than just existing, you have significance, and you think to yourself, no matter how many times you've heard that, ah, it just doesn't seem to translate. It just doesn't seem to stick. Those are words of, I want my life to count to somebody and for something. Those right there are words that are deep in us. And no matter what season of life, they don't ever go away. I would argue they're wired into our DNA. No matter what season of life. So if you're a teenager and you're 20-somethings, you wrestle with this idea of, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What's going to be my thing? What's my purpose? What makes me significant? When you're in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, you start going, am I living out my purpose? Does my life have meaning? I want to be a person of significance. Right? It's in us. What does that mean? In our 30s and 40s and 50s, we begin to wrestle with that. Then you get to your empty nester in your senior adult stage, and, and maybe you look back and go, did my life count? Did I make a difference? Like, like, did my life matter? And even though now I'm retired, I still want things. I know there's a greater purpose. That is wired into us. In fact, Larry Crabb, famous Christian psychologist, he says it like this. The basic personal need of each person, it's universal, is to regard himself as a worthwhile human being. Not good, not perfect, not talented, but at the base level, a worthwhile human being. There's something in you that's anxious to matter. You want to count. And our desire 
right, to make a difference is wired into our DNA. In fact, I would argue it's God-given and God-put in there into your core. In fact, if you got your Bibles, don't you open the first page of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to spend a lot of time in the Gospels the next few weeks, but I want to give us a foundation in Genesis 1. I want to read this to you. This is the creation account. This is us and our wiring. I don't know what your faith story is, but we believe that there's a creator that's before all things, and he gave us life. And so you may go, I just kind of happened to be here. There was a bang, and I'm here. That's great. Cool. And maybe over time we can talk about it, but I think... There's a creator, there's a God, and there's a longing we have. And here's the creation story, verse 26, 27, and 28. Then God said, let us make man, we'll come back to that later in the series, in our own image after our likeness. And let them, mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created... Man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. If you're taking notes across all of our campuses, let me give you just a foundation. This idea that it's wired in you. You want to matter. You want your life to have significance. You want to be a person of purpose. Put this down. God, in Genesis 1, said created us for relationship with him. This transcendent, eternal, there's got to be more. This desire, whether you put words to it or not, to be connected to something greater, to someone greater, connected to our creator. God created us for relationship with him. And here's the second thing, if you're taking notes. In Genesis 1, it also says that God gives us responsibility in the here and now. Dominion is the word in Genesis 1. Dominion means authority in the here and now, responsibility, your cultivator, your creator. Listen to me, men. Listen to me, women. Listen to me, students. You are wired to bear responsibility, to do hard things. You are wired to carry things. It's in you. And here's what I want to say to us. Dead in the center of these two things, that you're created for relationship with God, to be connected to your creator, and God gives us responsibility in the here and now, we're called to be contributors to society as a whole. Dead in the center of those two things lies your purpose. Every person, because if I'm sitting here and I'm listening, I think, well, Jason, okay, purpose, significance, meaning. Let's be honest. It's easy for a guy like you to say, look at what you're doing right now. You're talking to people. You're informing people. You're leading people. Sure, I get it. But, like, you think to yourself, man, my job, my vocation, my career, my season of life, really? Here's what I would remind you. Adam and Eve, in the beginning, God created them. Listen to me. He didn't call them to be preachers. He didn't call them to ministry. They worked with their hands. They were talented. They were gifted. God wired them. What does it mean? Some of us think, well, what I do is not spiritual. And well, I sell this or I do this. And what I do for is not spiritual. What I would remind you is you are spiritual. Which means everything we touch, listen, it matters. And so the next few weeks, I want to get up under the language. Because we have this grandiose language that we use around significance and meaning and purpose. And we think celebrity and we think famous. And we miss it because we have this language of, here's the language our culture uses. you got to chase your dreams. 
You got to fulfill your potential, right? You got to live out your vision, right? Can you tell what I'm doing there? You got to find your passion, right? Send us $9.99 and we will send you a book, right? Or we will send you something to oil to put on your head. You'll find it, whatever, right? And I get that because I'm all for potential, I'm all for dreams. I'm all for passion. But here's the question. Let's push a little bit here. Let's use me for example. Because the way we think about significance and meaning and purpose is I've been put on this planet to do this. And if I'm not doing this, then I don't have purpose. So let's use me for an example. Yours truly, your pastor. Not you. I'm not talking about you here. I'm talking about me. Let's say I wasn't the pastor of Bethlehem Church. Is my purpose forfeit? Because God wired me and put me here just to do this. This is it. This is the only thing I've got. This is what God put me here. So if I don't do this, then my life's forfeit. This is my purpose, my vocation. Think about it. Is that the way we think about it? Because for 32 years of my life, I wasn't the pastor here. And there's going to be a time where I'm probably still going to be living, and I'm going to hand it to the next generation, and they're going to lead here. Is my purpose then done? Some of you don't try to rush that. Some of you right now, you're like, you know, you're like, thank God, when's that going to happen? Relax. There's another church down the street, okay? And so, but see, we think about purpose and meaning and significance, and we think, listen, is your purpose tied to your vocation, to your job? No doubt. But is it bound to it? I would say no. Is your purpose in life and your meaning, is it bound to a job or your talent or your gift? Yes, like, like, is it tied to that? Yes, but is it bound to it? I'd contend no. Why? What happens when the job and the career that you thought was your thing doesn't work out? Is your purpose forfeit? Well, you know what, Pastor? My purpose in life, buddy, is to be the mom of these three babies. My three babies, they are my life, and I am, they're why I am here on this planet. That's great. No doubt, mom and dad's a huge purpose and a huge responsibility. No doubt about it, but lean in. What happens when they move on? What happens when they're not in your house anymore? Is your purpose forfeit? You're done. Did your thing. Because I know this is newsflash. That's actually the idea. <laughs> I know it's crazy now with housing prices. Everybody living together, right? But back in the day, the idea was you move after a certain time. What happens then? Right? And, and, and the reality is over and over. Last, last summer, Pastor Matt Use the words, the thing under the thing. And I'm saying the question under the question. For many of us, the longing, the angst that we feel is this thing that we're wired to count. Our life to have meaning, to have purpose, right? And in Genesis 3 on, sin enters the world. The stain of sin, what happens is this idea of purpose and meaning and significance are distorted. Of what gives you purpose, of what gives you meaning. So longing's there, but what does that mean? And, and what I would put, just to set a foundation for the next six weeks, and you're going to need to be here because I'm going to dive deep into this conversation. The tendency and temptation of our time is to live an unintentional life. If you're created for purpose, created for significance, created for meaning, connected with God, contribute the hearing now, in our time... The tendency is to live a very unintentional life. Unintentional life. What do you mean unintentional life? Like, it's not that we don't know what to do with our time. It's not that we don't have pictures of what significance looks like. Right? It's not that we're lacking in imagination for things to do. 
We know how to be proficient and efficient. In fact, it's not that we're just sitting there going, I don't really know what to do. Most of us, it's not that we need, we need more things to do. The reality is most of us, we feel like if we could just get a, more few, a little more time in the day. You with me on that? Right, but here, here's what I'd say. Church, the dilemma of modern life is that you can live a life full of all types of things and yet lack purpose. Your life can be completely full of stuff of activity, not bad, not evil, stuff, good stuff, and you can still lack purpose. Our society is screaming it. <laughs> We're screaming it. All right, unintentional. What do you mean unintentional? Unintentional means not on purpose. When something unintentional happens in your life, what does that mean? I didn't mean it to. It wasn't on purpose. That's what unintentional means. Unintentional means lacks significance, lacks Value. That's what unintentional means. Unintentional means that's not what I meant. And tell me if this is true. But we're by nature, because we're unintentional society, I would argue, we're also really good at this. I am. I'm better at pointing out problems than I am finding solutions. Anybody with me? Come on. I mean, I, my staff sometimes, they can point out all the problems. I'm like, bring me a solution. You know what I mean? But we're good at that. We point out problems. Here's a problem with this. Here's a problem with that. In life, we're all busy and all doing things. The problem with my job, the problem with what they're paying me, the problem with my marriage, problem with my kids, problem with my neighborhood, problem with my kids' school. Here's the problems. We can point out all of those things, but yet we miss the solution. We don't have a solution. We just, that's kind of what happens. Let me, let me give you this story. You ever heard the story about the man who visited the doctor because he was in pain all over his body? You ever heard this story with a smile on my face? Doctor asked the man, sir, where does it hurt? It hurts everywhere. That's what he said. Doctor said, where does it hurt? It hurts everywhere. My whole body hurts. Doctor says, touch your shoulder. He touches his shoulder and goes, oh, doc, I'm in pain. It's bad. It hurts. Doctor says, touch your forehead. He touches his forehead and he winces. Doc, doc, I don't, I, it's killing me. You got to help me. Doctor says, touch your knee. Guy reaches down, touches his knee. I can't take it anymore, doc. I'm in so much pain. So he examines the doctor, examines him everywhere. and says, sir, sir, no wonder you're in pain everywhere you touch. You got a dislocated finger, right? Now, my wife, I told her that Tuesday. She goes, that's stupid. <laughs> I said, I know it's stupid, but it makes a point. It's a ridiculous story. Somebody goes, cheesy. That's the point, right? Here's the point. You and I do the same thing. We just do it differently. Here's the problem with my pay. Here's the problem with my job. Here's the problem with my clients. Here's the problem in my marriage. Here's the problem with my kids. Here's the problem with my kids' school. Here's the problem with our society. When you can point out all the problems, but there's one problem up under everything, your life lacks purpose. That's the one thing that affects everything. <laughs> the one thing, we go through the motions, we're busy, we have all kinds of activities, we've got bank accounts, we're keeping up with the Joneses, and it works in our society till it doesn't. And it works till it doesn't. The tendency 
of modern life is to live a very unintentional life. And over time, listen to me, there is a price and a pain that comes. When you live an unintentional life, it'll work till it doesn't work. It'll, it, I mean, you, many of us have unintentional families. We have a family, and they're full. We have an unintentional, we got a marriage, we got a story, but everything's disjointed. Just living life, existing, going through the motions. There is no sinner, and that'll go as long as it'll go until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. In fact, our society screams it. Put this down. Reoccurring emotions, church, they're not just signs of our circumstances. They're often indicators of a deeper dilemma. Things work till they work. I'd contend our society screams, screams back our life oftentimes. Like the states of being we come to. Is it just about our circumstances there's deeper things going on? What do you mean? These are not in your notes. It's just me talking. We're frequently frustrated, always annoyed. <laughs> just put, this in the, we have this in the inability to achieve what we want. There's this relapsing fatigue. We're physically tired. We're emotionally drained. We're relationally spent. We're spiritually empty. Relapsing fatigue. Physically tired, emotionally drained, spiritually empty, relationally spent. Listen, everybody gets there. Have you ever, I, I get there. Everybody gets there. The problem is we become comfortable and many of us stay there. Just empty. Discouraged and disappointed. Why is everything got to be so hard? <laughs> I mean, by this time in life, why has everything got to be uphill? Stressed and anxious. Like there's good stress and bad stress, but anything that's hard in life, we're like, oh. So what we say is it's because of the circumstances, because of the season, because of the job. This is all of these things are circumstantial. And the scripture I'm going to show you over the next few weeks pushes against that because our culture conditions us to believe we live life from the outside in. So your circumstance and your situation and your season, that's your problem. Scripture pushes to go, no, I actually live from the inside out. There's something broken inside. And so for a few moments, I just want to kind of end where I'm going to spend the rest of the series at. In John chapter 15. Because Jesus had a diagnosis of all of this. This idea that you're wired for relationship with God and also to contribute in the here and now. Jesus comes on the scene. In John 15, John 14 through 17, he gives us what is called the farewell discourse. I'd advise you or I encourage you or invite you to read that over the next few weeks. It's the final words of Jesus. After the Lord's Supper, after that night when he ate with the disciples, up until he was arrested, Jesus knows his time on this planet is done. He knows his time with the disciples physically is about to be over. Disciples don't fully realize this. So Jesus has a conversation. If you've ever sat with somebody when they're on their deathbed, sat by somebody when they're on their deathbed, the things they say when they're still coherent, you remember. So Jesus says these things before he goes to the cross to his disciples. He knew what life they would face. He knew the pressures. He knew the problems. 
He knew the frustrations. He knew all the different ways they were going to be pulled. And Jesus knew deep down these guys wanted their life to count, to have purpose, to have meaning, to have significance. And so Jesus uses a metaphor. He gives us this picture. I want you to see it. And again, I'll unpack it in the coming weeks, but here's what he says. I am the vine, verse 4, and you are the branches in 5. If you remain in me and I in you, he's telling his disciples, last thing he wants them to know, to remember, I'm the vine, an agrarian, gardening, agricultural people. They worked with their hands. They grew their own food. This was a way of life in the first century. I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Here it is, here it is. But apart from me. You can do nothing. That's pretty big words. Talking about grandiose language. Jesus looking at us without me. You can do nothing. Really? Let's push Jesus a little bit here. Really nothing? We can't do anything. That was Jesus' statement, not Jason. We can't do anything without him. What does that mean? Because here, here's what you know. Many of us have friends and we have family and we have neighbors. They're nowhere near church today and they're, doing, they're, they're, they're busy. They're doing activity. Like you know a lot of people in your life that's not like sitting around doing nothing because they don't have Jesus. <laughs> so what's Jesus saying here? Jesus isn't saying you can't do any activity without me, church, Jesus is saying that we could do nothing of real, lasting, significant, eternal value without him. That's good. Listen to me. You can look at a job. You can look at your passion and go, this is my purpose. What happens when your boss changes his mind? You can look right out of season and go, this is why I was created. What happens when that season changes, right? When the source of our purpose flows from our circumstances, our seasons, you're going to have a problem. When the source of your purpose flows from the seasons of life, you're going to have a problem. And here's the thing I would put down. The source of purpose, what Jesus is saying, flows from connection with Jesus. Now, there's more than purpose, but the source of it. The power of it, the roots of it, flow from connection with Jesus. And here's the second thing. The source of our purpose isn't bound to our circumstance, setting, or season of life. You have purpose when you're where you didn't really plan on being. When you look back at a season in your life and go, things were better then and I could do more then because, or many of us as high school students and college students go, one day when I get there, church, Jesus' words, the source of purpose flows from connection with Jesus. The source of our purpose isn't bound to circumstance, setting, or season of life we are in. Why do I say that? Because purpose is not measured by what you've done compared to what someone else has done. Purpose is measured by what you've done compared to what you're supposed to do. Ooh. Listen, listen, listen. The only way to know your purpose is to stay 
connected to the one who created you to walk closely with him. This idea of connection is powerful. We think the source of purpose is our gifts and our talents and our season. No doubt that's all part of purpose, but the source of purpose isn't found there. In fact, let me show you the power of connection. Let's tell you a quick story. You find it in Luke 5, the power of connection. Because sometimes the issue isn't our job. Sometimes the issue isn't our marriage, if it was better. Sometimes the issue isn't the season we're in. Sometimes the issue is connection. And we just don't see it. Luke 5, 1 through 11. I'm going to tell you the story. We're going to end right here. Because this is a power of the difference connection with your creator, connection with Christ makes. Because purpose sometimes is not just about the season or your job or your talent or your giftedness. But it's more than that. So Luke chapter 5. Jesus and Simon, you see their first interaction. Luke 5, 1 through 11. We know Simon as Peter in the Bible. Before he was Peter, his name was Simon. Jesus changed his name when he called him. This is one of the first interactions you see. Simon was a fisherman. He's from a family of fishermen, Luke 5, 1 through 11. Right? That's what he'd done. That's what he did for his living. That's what his dad did. That's what his dad's dad did. That was Simon. He's been fishing all night long. You see this. One night he's been fishing all night long, and he hasn't caught anything. Now, some of you dudes are like, man, that'd be awesome. Fishing all night with the bros, right? A <laughs> couple of cold ones, Sprite, I mean, right? <laughs> Me and the boys just hanging out fishing. No, he wasn't doing this for fun. This is what he did. He didn't catch fish his family didn't eat. He caught fish his family ate. This was his life. This was his job, and he's not caught fish. And he's cleaning the boat. Jesus hops up on the boat and begins to teach. Jesus wasn't on the fishing trip early on with him. He hops on the boat and begins to teach. And Jesus is teaching as he's standing there. Crowds are listening to him. Simon's cleaning his boat. Crowds leave. Jesus turns to Simon and says, one of my favorite passages. Turns to Simon and says, hey, Simon, put out into the deep. Let's go catch some fish. Let's go fishing. Now, he's fished all night and hadn't caught anything. So here's Simon's response. Isn't, okay, Jesus. No, hold on. Here's what Simon says. Verse 5. Master. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I can't, let me, that right there is called frustration. With your job, with your career, with your, I can't catch a break. Ever felt like that? Deck stacked against you. Come on. I mean, I've been doing the same thing for a long time. Day in, and day out. Nothing seems to be working. I've been doing this for a while. I've been at this for some time. Yeah, it pays the bills, and yeah, it actually pays them okay, right? But like that's where he's at. Same thing, different day. And he says to Jesus when he says, Let's go fishing, he goes, Okay. Matt, listen, we worked hard, I hadn't caught anything, but because you say so, I'm going to let down the nets. Because you're here, because you're with me, and because it's you, Jesus, <laughs> I'm going to let down the nets. We're going to do it. We're going to go fishing again. These are words of connection right here. These are words of connection. Some of us go, yeah, I believe 
Listen, the questions are connected. Because you say so, I'm going to let down. These are words of obedience. Because you say so, I'm going to let down the nets for a catch. And here's where it goes. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So full, so many fish, so much fruit. What they desired in the first place, they got now. And in fact, they call their buddies and like, bro, our nets are breaking. Our boat's about to tip. You got to come on over and help us. Just keep reading the passage. Now, here's the thing. I've been, my favorite passage in one of all the Bibles. First message I ever preached when I was 17 year old, Luke 5, 1 through 11. Now, but here's what I had not seen. Think about this for a second. Here's the power of connection. This is the whole talk. Simon's setting didn't change. Same job, same boat, same nets, same lake. Simon's season didn't change. Same day. Simon's giftedness and talentedness didn't change. So make sure you're tracking with me here. Same job, same boat, same lake, same day. What was the difference? His connection. His connection. Because there was a connection, listen to me, everything changed. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, without me, you can do nothing. What are you saying? I just came to remind some of us, and we're going to dig deep the next few weeks, but some of you need to hear, this is Jason encouraging you, you're here, you need to know this, my here, your here has purpose. And I don't know what your here is, but your here has purpose. Or should I say it like this, whatever or wherever your here is can have purpose because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. God wanted me to tell some of you that. Your here has purpose. Whatever you're here, listen, because here's the way we do. Boy, I wish we think about there. If my paycheck was there, if my salary was there, if my marriage was there, if my job was there, if my kids were there, we think about there. And what I'm telling you is by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your here has purpose. Your here has purpose. You can live an unintentional life or you can believe right where you're at. Your here has purpose. I'm not sure I want to be here. My friends, God has you where he has you and your here has purpose if you're connected. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. So let me end with this picture. Let me visually leave you with a picture. I am the vine, as the guys come on out, and you are the branches. Your here has purpose. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, I grew up on a farm. This is going to blow you guys away. I did, my family did a lot of gardening, did a lot of farming, my extended family. I pretty much cheered them on while they were doing it, okay? <laughs> I know it blows your mind. I, what, they'd be working out in the garden. I'd be going, you guys are awesome. And I'm pulling for you. I, what I mean is I don't have much of a green thumb. I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
If you remain in me, you're going to bear much fruit. But apart from me, without me, you can do nothing. And God just sent me to remind some of you, your here has purpose. Back in the back, your here has purpose. If you're connected. So you and I are created for relationship with God. That's what you're It's wired in you and to contribute in the here and now. Anybody know what this is? Of course you do. It's a lamp. Now, what's the purpose of a lamp? Some of you ladies like, decor? Eh, my living room? I mean, I need to, you know, okay, that's fine. But ultimately, that lamp's not just to look good, it's to shine some light. That's what the lamp's for. Now, here's the thing about the lamp. This lamp on its own has got no power source. So this is a lamp. But this thing right now, not the only power. Now, let me take you over here. This is a power source. What do I mean? You plug something up to that, anything, it's got some life. It's got some juice, right? In fact, I don't want to do too much here. We got some juice going through here, you know what I mean? That's what this has got. Oh, this is, this is a power source, right? It's meant to contribute power. Remember this, you're created for relationship, connection with God, and contribution, responsibility in the here and now. Between those two things comes your purpose. I'm the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right, but with me, you'll bear much fruit. You're here as purpose. Pastor, what do you say? I know what you're thinking. Oh, I've seen this. I remember one time. You're telling me I'm the lamp, and when I'm plugged up, I got light. Actually, I'm not telling you that. You're not the lamp, and you're not the power source. You're not independent on your own. You know that. I know we think that. We'll talk about it in coming weeks. We're the source of our own power. We're the source of our own strength. Let me tell you what you are. You know what this is? It's an extension cord. This thing's only got one purpose. <laughs> like this thing only has one purpose. You're not the lamp, my friend. And you're not the power source. What am I? You're the extension cord. What do you mean? This whole extension cord has one purpose. To be connected to the power source and to contribute in the here and now. What do you mean? I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And when you're connected to the source, it doesn't matter what season you're in, there's fruit. And when you're connected to the source, it doesn't matter what place you're in, there's fruit. But I want you to hang with me for a second. For some of us, we're going to get this in the coming weeks. You need to be here. I'm going to listen on podcasts. No, you're not. You're going to be here. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. I know it's crazy. Hang with me. Some of us, we're busy, we got activity, we're talented, we're gifted, we're making money, we're doing the thing, yet we know something's missing. Why? You're lacking purpose. You're not connected. And there's others of us that go, no, 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 I'm connected, but you've missed this. Others of us go, no, I'm connected, but you forgot this. You are God's workmanship. It's been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. And when we're connected, 
It's all different. Created for relationship. Created for responsibility in the here and now. Pray with me across the campus at CPs. You can take it. Around this room, will you stand? And as you stand, nobody leaving. It's going to be a holy moment as we close our time. Head bowed and eyes closed. Just for a second, take a moment. You are wired for a relationship with God. It is in you. And you are wired to contribute in the here and now. And in the middle of those things comes our purpose. But some of us have never connected. Some of us, we've been invited, we've been listening, we got religion in our head, but there's never been a time we've connected. We've never made our first connection. Like We've never just said yes to following Jesus. And right now, with your head bowed and eyes closed, your heart's been pounding, and you've been listening, and for whatever reason, for 35 minutes, you've been connected in, going, man, I feel like God's talking to me, because he brought you here today, and he is inviting his Holy Spirit to trust. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you and I will be saved. And there's some of us, just like in the last two services, that we need to take our first step. From just believing random things about God to being connected. The Bible calls that salvation. Following Jesus. That God demonstrates his love for us that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. Pastor, what do I do? From the front to the back, say, I want to do that. I want to take that step. That you just say, again, this is me just putting words to maybe what's going on right now in your mind and in your heart. Just say this, Jesus, the best I know how, I'm choosing to follow you. Right where you're at. You don't have to shout it out. Just right where you're at. Praying to him. I want you to say this, Jesus, the best I know how, I'm choosing to follow you. To place my faith in you. I can't save myself. Forgive me of my sins. I know I've fallen short. And I'm choosing to follow you. And there's people all over this room right now praying that. There's people in the South venue right now praying that. This is your day. Some students, some senior adults, some single moms, this is your day. If you prayed that with nobody looking around, you took your first step. If you prayed that, nobody looking around, I'm going to call you down. Our prayer teams are going to begin to move to get in place. If you prayed that with nobody looking around, just you and I, will you just kind of lift your hand up? I'm going to pray a prayer blessing all over you. Yes, all over this room. Just lift it real high. Nobody's looking, just you and I. Yeah. So, Father, from the front to the back, there are people saying, yeah, they're, they're taking a step to say, I'm choosing to follow you. And the best they know how, they're placing their faith in you. If you prayed that, my prayer, our prayer teams will be down here at the end. We'd love to pray with you, help you take a next step, help you get connected in the body of Christ. All heaven celebrates. We'd love to do that as well. All heaven celebrates. 10, 15, 20 hands. All heaven celebrates. We're so thankful for you. These prayer teams are here. I'll be in the living room. Second piece. Just in like this. There's a lot of us that got a lot of activity in our life. But we got no purpose. We got no meaning. There's a whole lot happening. We got no center. These next few weeks are about checking your connection. Being honest with where we're at. 